0: Hey, what goes great with Liberty, guys? Alcohol. But what's second best? Coffee! You nailed it. We got a brand new morning roar line of coffee through Anarco Coffee, which you can find at lionsofliberty.com forward slash coffee. But even better, if you're a Pride member at the $10 level or up, you get 15% off every order. That's on top of all the other great content you get: conspiracy corners, degenerate gamblers, do nothing man episodes. And not only that, but you'll also get access to the Legion of Liberty Doom. So join today at Patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Yo, 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 everybody. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 121. Which means you can find all the show notes at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL 121. I also want to remind you guys at the top of the show that you should join the Lions of Liberty Pride, damn it. Now I'm talking about coffee at the top of the show with my little pre-roll, but you should join the Pride. You should get all of our bonus content Recorded a little Degenerate Gamblers episode today with Rico. We did our Legion of Liberty Doom. Me and the Smots, the Odermat, the Remzo Martinez's of the world, all getting together with Howie Snowden's, although that bastard missed the most recent one, because he's a dick. And we got multiple levels you can join at. As little as five bucks, you get all this shit, man. $10, you get our special emails that go out from Howie himself. And that has all the topics that I talk about on this year's show. He is my news guru. He can be yours as well. And, of course, then we have different tiers. We're going up 15, 25. Just about to do our $25 call. with the. Uh, you know, we do like a confab on Zoom. We take your questions. We talk about the show. Get FaceTime with us every single month. We're going to be doing that this Monday. So, hey, man. Get on it. Chuck us that cash. <laughs> get it on it. <laughs> oh, I tell you, I am... Not in a good mood at fucking all. I've been having a real shit day. Just got a lot going on. Stressed out of my goddamn mind right now with work. Just everything going on happening at once. And you know what? As always... When you're busy, like I am supposed to have some guy come over and measure my windows now. because we're going to have the windows done in my house. This guy's supposed to be coming in like 20 minutes. I meant to start this fucking show 45 minutes ago. But now, of course, I'm starting it late because I had to restart my computer. Because, you know, you can never have any sort of rush or hurry where everything just falls into place, where everything just operates as it should. It always has to be the biggest pain. Everything has to work as slow as humanly possible, has to give you error messages, had to restart my computer just to get the damn printer to work. And, of course, as I'm angrily standing up off of the chair, a office chair, which I love, the motherfucking arm cushion snaps off. Not in a way which can be easily replaced, mind you. No, the plastic snaps off and I can't figure out even how to get the one side because one side's still there clinging to life. If I was able to wedge it back on, I can't figure out how to get that back on. So now I'm angry. I now have an expensive chair that's broken and I don't know how to fix. I've got no time to do this podcast and I'm going to have to stop in 20 minutes to talk to a guy for God knows how long, then come back and be even more angry because I'll have even less time and I'll be even hungrier because I won't have eaten. So that's what you're in for on this Electric Liberty Land. Are you excited? You should be. First things first, I just want you to know, I watch Game of Thrones, as do most human beings in this world, right? We like watching Game of Thrones. So I watch Game of Thrones and it has definitely gotten a far cry shittier since George R.R. R. Martin stopped writing it in that you can clearly see not just in the general writing where they're doing an awful job with character motivations now, there's no longer the clever dialogue because, you know, you haven't had George R.R. R. Martin sitting on his toilet uh, just noodling it over for decades as he's getting rid of the latest burrito he ate. Now you have Hollywood writers, or I guess these probably are not Hollywood writers. You have writers over in London, probably based out of Pinewood Studios, coming up with this dialogue, which is just, it's not working. It's serviceable because we already like the characters. There's enough background material for it to make it seem at least somewhat, somewhat serviceable as far as, all right, I, I suppose I could see the character saying that but it doesn't grab you like it used to. It just doesn't resonate within the soul like George R.R. R. Martin's former writing style did. And we see also the thing that really is, is pissing me off more than anything, because we're talking about Game of Thrones, a show which has embraced, I mean, in a large part, I guess you could complain there's not enough, you know, minorities in there. There's not enough black people and there's not enough, there's not enough Latinos. If anything, the funny thing is that the minority groups represented here are the white walkers who are even whiter than the regular white people that inhabit the Game of Thrones universe. I mean, you got the Unsullied, I guess. So that's good. Daenerys brought them in and, and all of that. But, you know, the show, just as far as people, uh, regardless of skin color, which is, of course, what I think we should all strive to see anyway, you know, forget the skin color, talk about what the people stand for, who they are, what they're about does represent a wide range of sexualities, of ideologies, of religious perspectives. You know, you got the tree-worshipping people of the North. You got the uh, the, the magical witch people of the, uh, God, I can't remember the name of it. Whatever slave city, they had some sort of magic. You got, eh, you got the dragon people. You got eunuchs. You've got gay guys. You got, you know, all these people are kind of interacting in the world. And none of them are portrayed as weak characters necessarily. You know, you've got a eunuch who has no balls, has no sex drive, is one of the most clever, interesting characters in the show. You've got a sex-crazed dwarf as one of the other most interesting characters in the show. You had gay characters that were very interesting earlier on. They have now fallen to the wayside because it doesn't matter if you're a man, if you're a woman, if you're a eunuch, if you're I I don't even know, some sort of white walker creature. What you did was what mattered in the world of Game of Thrones. And you got ahead based upon your cleverness, based upon your allegiances, based upon being able to play the game and get ahead. I mean, Cersei is one of the most fascinating characters in the show. Everybody loves Daenerys. I don't know fucking why. I find her to be quite uninteresting. She's become a real one-note character, more so since the producers took over, and I've gotten a little over her. You know? All right, great. She's got her dragons now. Once she had the dragons, it became far less interesting the writing for her character, atrocious. In the first episode of Game of Thrones, she's like, he's like, oh, well, what do dragons eat? And what do you think her response was? The most predictable thing in the world? Whatever they want. <laughs> oh, how fucking clever. And then Jon Snow goes to ride a dragon. Well, what do I grab onto? Whatever you can. Oh, genius. Fucking stupid. Bad write. But it's become pandering now because the show, again, based upon the efforts, the cleverness, the intellects of these people had women consistently placed in high positions of power. There was never sort of this ideal that there were the women had the deck stacked against them in this whole world. There were routinely Queens that were insanely powerful in Winterfell once, uh, you know, I don't want to give away too many spores, but once a-, a certain man got put to the wayside, his wife then had an incredibly prominent position in his stead. And nobody was like, ah, these women get this titty whore out of here. no, they respected her. She was treated with respect as someone of intelligence. You see that play out through this entire series. George R.R. R. Martin gives zero fucks about men or women or gays or straights, anything like that. All just based upon intellect, how you play the game, treats women very highly throughout. And that's why this past episode, where you've got Daenerys, the Dragon Queen, sitting down with Sansa, who, you know, as you probably know, if you're anywhere near caught up in the show, if you don't skip this, but as you know, is now head of Winterfell. She sits down with her, and this little exchange happens. We have other things in common. We've both known what it means to lead people who aren't inclined to accept a woman's rule. And we've both done a damn good job of it, from what I can tell. Apologies for the quality of that clip, by the way. I was trying to get it to export cleanly from my phone. Again, issues with tech. Couldn't get the goddamn clip to download. So I just said, all right, fuck it. I'll just play it from my phone into the microphone because I couldn't pull it directly either. I couldn't download it. It's just, you know, content's c- content protected. Uh, so that was the best I could do. But that was Daenerys, the Dragon Queen, talking to Sansa. And just talk about the social justice pandering going on here where it's unneeded. You know, it's like they feel like they have to shoehorn in this fucking rah-rah-go-women moment in a show in which you don't need to do it. That's the whole point. The women characters are so strong. They're independent. They're based upon their own worth within the world without having to say, well, no man could keep us down. Girl power. Jesus, fuck off. Fuck off with this shit. It literally pulls you straight out of the show, right back into Hollywood on a street corner where two uh <laughs> two purple haired chicks in glasses are having a latte together instead of being in Winterfell. It's just, it is the classic. We're already seeing it. You want when you're doing a show like this or any content, you want to see, you don't want to tell. And these people feel like, well, you know, people might just not get it that these are. These are real strong within characters. We need to make sure that they know. Just like I've not seen the most recent Captain Marvel movie. A friend of mine I was talking to did, and he goes, It was fine. It was okay. Uh, he goes, But you know, I really, it started to get to me repeatedly when the main character keeps going, I don't need a man for this. Or, you know, it's like, just like, it was just repeated. Repeated to drive at home. She is woman. She does not need man. Man is oppressive. There could be no nuance to this. Womankind has always been downtrodden. And now we rise up. It's, It's just, we're seeing it. We're seeing it play out in the show based upon the characters, based upon their actions, based upon their interactions, based upon where their positions are currently in the fucking plot. We don't need you to stop everything dead in its tracks to have a stupid pandering scene to tickle the assholes of social justice fucking warriors out there. It's better the way it is. So leave it well enough alone, if you please. But of course, we can't do that. Because Elizabeth Warren now is a Game of Thrones recap. Yes, she does one every week for New York's magazine, The Cut. And uh, spoiler alert, she just was at one of her rah-rah events held recently. And naturally, she views herself as more of a Daenerys, the dragon queen who fights slavery. Then she does a Cersei of the Lannister kingdom. Uh, of course, current queen that sits upon the Iron Throne. So let me just allow me just to, to talk about this for another couple of minutes, guys. I know some of you out there, you don't give a shit about Game of Thrones, but you'll enjoy this. You'll enjoy this because I'm going to get into some libertarian uh, theory here and and, and wage, wage intellectual war against the state in the guise of Elizabeth Warren thinking that she has anything to do with the Dragon Queen and not seeing the fucking world of irony which she inhabits on the good ship Irony Pop. So let me read this. This is from... Her recap of season eight, episode two, of course, which aired this past Sunday, from an article called The World Needs Fewer Cersei Lannisters. Now, first off, let me just say, these are some of the worst written things I've ever read. It is literally a recap devoid of any sort of inspection, any sort of uh, creative Input as far as where the show could be going. There's no theories involved here. There are no insights. She gives no real opinion on it, except to literally describe what happened and the history of the characters. Classic Elizabeth Warren stuff, right, guys? (laughs) So... I like, get just one example, this writing. I watch Game of Thrones because, like everyone else, I want to find out who lives, who dies, and who ends up on the spiky iron chair in King's Landing. <laughs> what kind of editorial standards does New York Magazine have where they were like, oh, we gotta have this sweet, sweet gold on our pages? It's just so bad. It reminds me of Ralphie from A Christmas Story when he's writing about the Red Rider BB gun. The official Red Rider carbon action 200 shot range by range model air rifle with a compass in the stock and this thing that tells time sounds quite a bit like I want to find out who lives, who dies, and who ends up on the spiky iron chair in King's Landing. Although Ralphie was even more verbose in his description. He was better than Elizabeth Warren could ever hope to be. Anyway, of course, Daenerys Stormborn Targaryen is her favorite, like everybody, you know, every... Every woman that, uh, that had less of a, I don't even know how to, pre- I, I don't want to shit on everybody's character, okay? I'm not here just to crap on Daenerys. If you like Daenerys, like Daenerys, whatever. I, I don't give a damn. She's no Cersei, but whatever. <laughs> but of course, she likes Daenerys, and as I said, for some reason, considers herself to be much like Daenerys. So let me read you this little excerpt, and then give you my take on it. Danny believes fiercely in her right to rule, but she despises what ruling means in the world she's grown up in. She doesn't want to be a slave owner or a dictator, and she definitely doesn't want to become her murderous father. She tells her, she tells Sir Jorah, Slavery is real. I can end it. I will end it. And I will end those behind it. Before sailing across the sea to Westeros, she frees the enslaved people of Marine and creates an army that fights because they want to, not because they have to. Also, she has dragons. <laughs> Also, she has dragons. All right, end quote. So Elizabeth Warren is trying to make the point, I guess, here, that she has an army that fights because it wants to, not because it has to. Now, granted, we don't have, uh, right now, we don't have a current draft in place, but we as Americans do have a draft system in place. There is conscription. It does exist. And not only that, but let's extend it a step farther. If you want to talk about people being forced to do things rather than freely opting to do things like, say, fight in a war because they want to, not because they have to. Well, we're talking about free market. We're talking about liberty. We're talking about the opposite of socialism. And of course, Elizabeth Warren considers herself a socialist. So instead of saying, well, you are free to take part in the healthcare care market, you are free to work the job you want, you are free to do with what your money, what you will, instead For some reason, Elizabeth Warren conflates herself with the person freeing people from slavery rather than the worst person working for the motherfucking government as a cog in the machine to expand what has essentially turned every American into a slave by a taxation and by a coercion and by a monopoly on violence. So there you go, Elizabeth Warren. You're a fucking idiot. And I just want to double down on this, that she is far more like Cersei Lannister than she are, than she are, than she are, than she are like Denarius Targaryen, much more like Cersei, the evil queen who's a backstabber, who is a, uh, a clever little minx, right? Even though Elizabeth Warren's no clever minx, but let's just say she's much more like Cersei, the ruler who governs with an iron fist and will literally kill people that get in her way and has no problem, uh, skirting the rules to, to get what she wants. She writes this, unlike Danny Daenerys, Cersei doesn't expect to win with with the people. She expects to win in spite of them. When Cersei's brother and lover, Jaime, begs her not to wage a war, arguing that they don't have the warrior strength of the Dothraki or the intelligence of the other houses, she replies with all the confidence in the Seven Kingdoms, we have something better. We have the Iron Bank. Rather than earn her army, Cersei pays for it. She buys 200,000, or excuse me, 20,000 Golden Company mercenaries with funds from the Iron Bank. Okay, Elizabeth, again, we're talking about using government funding. You're using government taxes to get what you want. That is literally your fucking blueprint. You literally want to tax people the most amount you can possibly tax them. You literally want to wage war against corporations. You literally are going out of your way to talk about, you know, having Medicare for all, which was just essentially putting us all into this slave base where we are dependent on the government for anything. And if we do not comply, what are you going to do? It seems to me that because we're so overextended, you know, in regards to all the foreign wars we're involved with, we probably don't have the warriors here at home. So I wonder what you'd do. Hmm. I bet you'd hire more IRS workers to go and enforce this. And I bet that if the IRS workers find that all these people owed lots of money, I bet you'd hire more troops to go out and get them or hire more uh, police officers to go and enforce these laws to put people in jail for not paying the taxes that you demand they pay for all the services that they didn't want. And you force them to sign up for with your motherfucking iron fist. You are Cersei without any of the intelligence, without any of the intellect, without any of the cleverness, without any of the actual, even any of the insight or the self-awareness that Cersei Lannister has. At least Cersei Lannister can learn from her mistakes. Elizabeth Warren fucking went out there and announced to the world that she was 1,124th Native American and then still went out and campaigned for president. Does that sound like somebody who learns from her mistakes? God damn. Amen, brother. All right, let's move on from this. Let's get into other things. Let's take a break so I can talk to a contractor. We're going to come back. I want to talk about the Game of Thrones stuff first. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about the whole Mueller thing. We'll talk a little bit about Tulsi Gabbard and Yemen and Trump vetoing that. We'll also talk a little bit about uh, this comedian winning the presidency over in the Ukraine, which is just... Amazing, And then we'll finish it off with a brand new idiot of the week. We don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. Those epic words from Archilochus can sum up your ability to succeed or fail in business. going to win. Visit conversationmattime.com and take advantage of a free 15-minute consultation just for listeners of this show. All right, we are back with Electric Liberty Land episode number 121. I am slightly calmer. I did manage to get some food in my belly during, during the interim there, which was of course 30 seconds for you, but uh, was about uh, a good 45 minutes for me. So we're back. We're back, baby. And as we come back into it, let's talk first about this whole Mueller report. And I don't want to go on and on about it because the Mueller report has been talked to death. And frankly, there's not that much to say about it past that just the, the overall reaction for people is really what's driving me insane. Because, you know, when we saw the initial reaction, the first Mueller report comes out, basically saying this is a big nothing burger, that there was no Russian collusion, Even and it's it's such a joke even that Mueller put in his report, which was highly politicized, despite the fact that he decided not to try to indict Trump, which is debatable whether or not a sitting president can even be indicted, but... Even though he decided not to try to indict Trump, he did put in that dog shit line about the fact that, oh, well, we're not exonerating him, which was solely there for the purpose of giving more blood to the Democrats, feeding the frenzy in the mainstream media, the anti-Trump mainstream media, and giving all these never hashtag resist Trumper people just something to cling on to. You give us something to believe in. I mean, essentially, that's that's literally what Mueller was doing. And it's just completely disingenuous and frankly despicable because it's not a prosecutor's role to put a little Easter egg into a report saying that you're not going to indict, saying that you're not going to prosecute. Your role is simply to prosecute or not to fucking prosecute. Not to not to say we're not going to prosecute prostitute. prostitute prostitutes, prostitutes, not to say we're not going to prosecute, but we would have liked to. But of course, what you're electing not to prosecute isn't even the actual allegations you're investigating in the fucking first place, was it? No. You're supposed to be there investigating whether or not Trump colluded, which is, again, not even a crime, whether or not Trump committed, I guess, committed conspiracy with Russia, whether or not he conspired with a foreign nation to affect the outcome of our elections. He came to the conclusion that there was, beyond a shadow of a doubt, zero to connect the Trump campaign, not even just a Trump campaign. There are zero indictments against any Americans for actually conspiring with Russia. All of the indictments that have been handed down are again for these bullshit procedural crimes, like lying to the FBI, like uh, misremembering what you said in an email. So instead of stopping there, instead of saying there was no Russian collusion, there you know this entire premise of this investigation is concluded. Donald Trump did not uh, take part in any of these actions, nor did any people under his campaign or under his under his guidance. Done. Right. That's it. But instead of doing that, now this fucking nonsense investigation, which again, to remind everybody, was only started because of the premise that a fusion GPS generated document at the behest of the DNC utilizing foreign spies from London and tapping into former KGB individuals was rubber stamped through a FISA court as the evidence they quote unquote needed and backed up, of course, by the same report being leaked to the mainstream media rubber stamp the FISA report or by the FISA courts so that Obama could then go and spy on Donald Trump. This is the, this is the whole start of this whole thing. This is what generated all of this. So now we're to believe that despite the fact that this is all farce from the very beginning and despite the fact that Donald Trump very rightly has said, this is nonsense, and and uh, spoke very loudly to that point to anybody that could listen and went out of his way to try to limit the scope of this investigation, which he viewed as exactly what it was, which is a witch hunt, which is a completely partisan attempt to dethrone a president who won the election fair and square, essentially the deep state rising up in conjunction hand in hand with the establishment to try to take him out. So now the the investigation, instead of concluding itself at the natural point, the logical point, turns into an investigation as to whether or not Donald Trump tried to stop the investigation. Huh? Does that make any sense to somebody in the middle of the goddamn thing? You're saying, oh, well, now we we, we gotta keep going. We gotta find out if he if he tried to fire Comey for a reason. We gotta figure out if Donald Trump told people that you know he that he wanted to fire Mueller, which of course he probably could have because. I think that's his right as a president. Or that he told people that he didn't want them talking to the FBI. I mean, look, these obstructions, none of which were of the category to which Mueller, who the Democrats loved and and, uh, bowed down to as some sort of god that was going to deliver Trump on them to to a silver platter to these people, Mueller decided, despite his partisan hackery, despite the fact that he was in league with the Clintons, with the Democrats, decided that even though they had this quote-unquote evidence of Donald Trump's obstruction of justice, that they still were not going to prosecute Donald Trump, that there still wasn't enough to differentiate intentional actions to quote-unquote obstruct justice in regards to the investigation that should have never happened in the first place. Instead of, he said, we don't even know if this is just him, you know, kind of being Donald Trump or acting like any other guy that's, you know, never been president— that is not part of the establishment, which is why most people wanted Donald Trump in their first place. I mean, I could see myself if I'm in there saying, okay, well, Mueller's trying to investigate. Let's just try to limit the scope of this investigation, which is one of the things listed in his report is why he was obstructing justice or attempting to instruct justice. Okay, so he tried to limit the scope of it. Okay, so he was angry at Jeff Sessions for not recusing himself. Okay, so he wanted Mueller to to be replaced and fired. Okay, so he told his staff, hey, I want you to go uh, and fire this guy. When Donald Trump's known for what? Oh, yeah, firing people. So we're supposed to to think that this man is going out of his way to obstruct justice. And none of it happened, by the way. None of it happened because the people on his staff went back and said, oh, you know, it's uh, no, we're not going to do that. You can't do that. Or, or you know what, that's not a good idea. Or maybe they told him, uh, if you did that, you'd be obstructing justice. So what ended up happening? None of it. But just because there was a rumor or a conversation about it, now that's supposed to be proof of obstruction of justice. And one, more other, one other thing I want to talk about, too, just in regards to this coverage of this whole thing. They put in, like, the news media could not get enough of this one quote in which Donald Trump feared that Mueller's appointment would be the end of his presidency. Quote, Oh my God, this is terrible. This is the end of my presidency. I'm fucked, Trump said, when he was informed by Jeff Sessions of Mueller's appointment. And this is supposed to be, this, this ran as a headline. This ran as like, Ah, oh, we got him. You see, he definitely wanted to obstruct justice because he knew we were going to get him. We were on to something. Except then he goes on, if you have the second half of the fucking quote, where he says, Everyone tells me if you get one of these independent councils, it ruins your presidency. It takes years and years and I won't be able to do anything. This is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Ah, yeah, that makes more sense. Because historically, that has been the way it worked out. You look at Clinton, you look at Nixon. And what do they, by the way, what did they get Clinton and Nixon on? Obstruction. Obstruction. (laughs) Not even the things they were going after them for, but Obstruction. Clinton got impeached for lying to the investigator about Monica Lewinsky. Nixon got impeached for what they said was lying about his knowledge about Watergate. Now, in those two instances, those presidents actually did something though. Isn't that funny? Donald Trump didn't, and yet these people are still saying that he obstructed justice. They're still saying that we have to go after him and that he must be impeached. And there's you know, there's assholes like Elizabeth Warren, Cersei Lannister calling for impeachment. In the meantime, I'm going to move past the general findings. There's not much more to be said about that. But just obstruction in general pisses me off. I find it to be one of the most un-American, obnoxious creations that has ever come to fruit. And it's like, literally, it is the fruits and labors of the police state, of the FBI, of the CIA, of all these investigative organizations. No, well, not the CIA, but you know, the FBI, the police, special investigators, the establishment. It is a tool wielded by the establishment to go after people who have done virtually nothing. And if they had done something, usually it can't be proved. Because the only way you actually get someone on obstruction of justice is if you can't get them for the crime for which they committed. I mean, look at, or or which they failed to commit, I should say. Even look at people like, uh, what's her face? Martha Stewart, right? They wanted to get her on securities fraud or insider trading, pardon me. So they go after her, They come up empty. They do not convict her of insider trading, but she still goes to jail. And what did she go to jail for? Oh, obstruction of justice. Because that's what they got her on. I just feel like it is literally created to give a backdoor way to screw people over. And I don't understand why. I mean, nowhere in the Constitution does it say that you have to cooperate fully with the police, with the government, especially when they're investigating you. I mean, if we're being honest, why should you ever cooperate with the government? I mean, isn't that the whole purpose of their role versus you, of, of investigators versus the accused? And in your role as somebody accused who may be innocent, if there were things that you said, oh, you know what? I just remembered that uh, I said this thing to John over there. I was joking with him the other day about kidnapping my neighbor's dog and oosh, Fluffy ran away last week, but... That's what they're accusing me of. They're accusing me of being some sort of dog vampire. Meanwhile, I'm a cat vampire. I would have nothing to do with that. But damn, I got to tell John not to talk to the FBI about that time. I said I wanted to kill my neighbor's dog. If you remember that conversation, you go to John, and you say, hey, John, you know, maybe don't say that. And then comes out that you told John not to say anything, even though it's completely unrelated because you're innocent of the crime. Well, that's obstruction because you're trying to influence somebody that's involved in the investigation. But at the core of it, either way, their job is to fucking find the evidence. Their job is to be prosecutors in this. Their job is to dig it and find the details and get people to talk to them. If you, at the same time, are out there trying to fight for your case, trying to cover your tracks, trying to make sure that nothing can be misinterpreted, going through, figuring shit out, getting your ducks in a row, as a basically as your own line of first defense, well, so be it. So fucking be it. But the government has to invent a crime called obstruction of justice, which is applied liberally, even in the case of they don't get a connection conviction, even in the case where they can't even bring any sort of indictment or prosecution against you because they have a complete lack of evidence, but they can still get you just for putting in the effort to try to protect yourself. And in the meantime, if you lie to them, that's obstruction of justice. I mean, look at Michael Flynn, look at anybody else that got indicted in this Trump situation. But meanwhile, they can lie to you blatantly, to your face, nonstop. And they do it all the time. I mean, God, I'm just thinking about any number of the times John Odermatt's had people on Felony Friday talking about false confessions where the police literally just lied to people's face about what other people have said. Oh, well, he said you did this. He said that you were there at the crime scene. He said, okay, how is that not obstruction of justice? How is lying to somebody who they do not know whether they are guilty or innocent and will gladly put in jail if they find that they make a mistake in a statement. They'll use that against them in the court of law if they misremember where they were on the night in question. Well, oops. Now you could easily have been at the murder scene. Or I remember it was in uh, How to Make a Murderer. They're talking to one of these kids, this poor guy who I swear to God had to be the most innocent person in the world. Cops sit down with them, Tell him, hey, you tell us you did it and it'll be all right. You'll go free. We won't prosecute you. Okay. So the kid admits that he was there right in the scene and admits that he had something to do with this, this murder that took place. Even though you could tell he had no idea what was happening, that he just wanted to be let go. He just wanted to get out of there. He was terrified out of his mind. Clearly some sort of mental disability. Okay. Go to jail. You're arrested. That's not obstructing justice. Getting a false confession urging a mentally disabled child to confess to a murder so you can put that person behind bars, how is that not obstructing justice? Putting people in jail for crimes they didn't commit based upon lies seems to be the most absolute way to obstruct what we consider to be actual justice. I mean, do we forget the old line from the founding of the country where people would rather see 10 guilty men go free than one innocent man go to jail? Certainly seems so. But God forbid the American people try to defend themselves against the machinery of the quote-unquote justice system because you'll be slapped down very quickly, regardless of whether or not there is an actual crime being committed. Because as we've seen, the greatest crime is not one man against another man, an individual citizen against another individual citizen. The greatest crime you can commit in this country is to... Dare to question your government, is to dare to lie to your government, is to dare to think that you might be able to exist as an individual without having to pay your fealty, pay your coinage, pay your labor to the government to keep this grand machine working and lubed up. And so we see Donald Trump is avoided just by the hair of his chinny chin chin being ground up in the gears of this machinery. (laughs) because <laughs> he got lucky that he was actually innocent. huh? Most people do not. While we're on the topic of Trump, let's talk briefly about him vetoing the resolution to end the war in Yemen. This is a little bit of old news, guys, but I had to get around to it because I did not have a chance last week having Toby on. So this is just a, in the context of looking at President Trump declaring the entire National Guard of Iran as a terrorist organization, we have now this vetoing of this, and you knew it was coming. It was called SJ Resolution 7, and literally just said, Congress never authorized the war in Yemen. We demand it end. Constitution says we have the sole power to declare war, and we also have, by extension, the power to end illegal wars. So, of course, <laughs> that got vetoed. And this begs the question, what's going to be the next step? Because you could tell Donald Trump, they're ringing this war bell with Iran, despite the fact that Pompeo says that they're going to be releasing a plan for peace in the Middle East, and that they are committed to not putting boots on the ground in Iran, that they want to simply attack them via sanctions, which, of course, just hurt the populace and not the government. But it raises the question of what's the next step here? I'm hoping that Congress isn't going to back down from this. I'm hoping Rand Paul will lead the charge to try to eliminate the president's authority to use this, but you can see the tactics Trump's talking about. You can see, you know, I did this a few episodes ago, he's trying to get around this this revoking of his presidential power to unilaterally declare wars all over the goddamn world by declaring different nations' guards terrorists or their you know, again, Hamas, you could say, oh, right, well, they're a terrorist organization now. So we can just go to war with them whenever we want. That means we're now permitted to go over and help Israel. Or we could go into Iran because now terrorist organization. So it's not just, you see, it's not a, a a war I'm declaring. This is an act of defense because these are terrorists. And I am authorized to do this under the war on terror, under the guise of protecting American freedoms. So what I want to see is Congress actually get enough balls to take on all of the existing structures that came into place after 9-11, not just the Patriot Act, which has already expired in many ways and shapes and forms, but also the USA Freedom Act, also all of this various surveillance acts that are underneath there, also just the, the way in which the president is enabled to take on war in virtually any part of the world. Can we at least try to limit that? Can we make some sort of effort to rein that in? I mean, like, crap, I was looking at a map the other day of like 36 different operation names in Africa. Why are we up in Djibouti? Not even gonna make a joke about that. But I'll tell you one person who's not taking it lying down. That is Tulsi Gabbard. Because I love this, man. I you know, Tulsi Gabbard, I swear to God. But some of us Lions of Liberty were talking about de- uh, donating a little cash to her campaign. Not necessarily because we want her to win outright, because she's got some some warts on her. Let's not confuse ourselves. But she is literally the only anti-war candidate that's out there right now. The only one. None of the other Democrats are taking this on. Maybe a little bit of Bernie, but Bernie Sanders has forgotten that in his war against the the upper class, despite being the upper class. But Tulsi Gabbard went out... (laughs) One of the best quotes I've ever heard, she accused Donald Trump of turning the United States into the prostitute of Saudi Arabia, (laughs) which is dynamite. I don't even know if they have prostitutes in Saudi Arabia, by the way, that might be a stoning offense because they still have that there. But I love this. I love what she's saying here. By vetoing the War Powers Resolution, Trump has again proven that he is the servant of Saudi Arabia, the theocratic dictatorship that spends billions of dollars every single year spreading the most extreme and intolerant form of Islam around the world. The very same ideology that motivated al-Qaeda and other jihadists. Very well said. So while we are declaring Iran's Revolutionary Guard as a terrorist organization, even though they seem to pretty much just sit in their own country, as far as I can tell, or fight small skirmishes on borders that we tend to have a a hand in either encouraging or arming outright, while we're declaring those people terrorists, we are backing Saudi Arabia, from which the majority of the 9-11 bombers that enabled us to have this broad and unfettered worldwide policy of aggression, we're supporting them and all of the heinous acts which that country undertakes with our help. So my hat is off to you, Ms. Tulsi Gabbard. I wish you nothing but the best, and I sincerely hope that you make it on to the debate stage. Now, final story we'll talk about just very, very briefly here. A comedian won the Ukraine presidency. That is a goddamn delight. I mean, talk about just... We're, we're seeing nationwide, worldwide people finally step up and finally say, we're sick of the establishment. We're sick of the way politicians handle our government. We're sick of the way the politicians view us as cattle to be milked in order to fund projects which they deem important, which simply exist to perpetuate a system, to increase their power, to grow government, and to completely push authoritarianism. I mean, look, under the guise of global warming, under the guise of anti-terrorism, under the guise of whatever you want to dress it up as, Authoritarianism is the goal of government. And we're seeing now this this guy, Vladimir Zelensky, who literally played a president on television. He He played a TV president. It's like the guy from the fucking State Farm commercials becoming president because he played that president in what, Deep Impact? Oh no, there's a meteor coming at us. Are you prepared? Be in good hands. I mean, that guy... I'll vote for him as president, actually, next election. This is like, this is the blueprint for success. We need to emulate this. We need more comedians running for president as long as they're not assholes like Jim Jeffries. As long as they're not the Trevor Noahs of the world. But those sons of bitches are foreigners anyway. They can't run for our president. But I'll be damned if I won't vote for some jackass that just has a good laugh to get in there that knows nothing about the machinery. Just as a giant fuck you to the system. I mean, it's just, it's wonderful, and this guy's going to take over Ukraine in a time when there's still a standoff with Russia going on over the annexation of Crimea, or Crimea, Crimea. I always forget how to say it. But he's promised that he is going to campaign on anti-war. Or did campaign on anti-war. He wants to rein it in. He wants to end the wars that are ongoing. He wants to improve the living standards of the people of the Ukraine. Now, how he's going to improve those living standards, I don't know. Hopefully, this fool doesn't come in and try to put a bunch of socialist nonsense in there. He very well might. (laughs) But for now, let's just celebrate somebody going in there that had no business becoming president and yet can inspire generations of little Yakov Smirnoffs to rise up against their political masters. (laughs) Because in America, you'll become president, but in Ukraine, president becomes you. That's the best I've got right now, guys. All right, fuck this week. I'm amazed this show in 45 minutes. I wanted to stop after five minutes. Uh, another one of these shows where I go, I'm going to listen back to it. And I'm going to hear how many times that I flubbed because my brain is just exhausted. How many things that I said that I didn't mean to say or I meant to say in a better way more eloquent way and how many things that I fucking just plain out forgot to say that I was thinking about saying in the goddamn week before this episode came out. But you know, sometimes guys, that's why you keep a razor next to the bed. And remember, if you're going to kill yourself, always go vertical. You don't want to be slicing across those wrists. It's just, it's just not the way to do it. Good news though. Next week's show is going to be awesome. I'm getting together for an Electric Liberty Land, Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor Show with two guys who I absolutely love out here in La La Land, my buddy Jason Stapleton from the Jason Stapleton program, and if you listen to his show, he uh, we, we do hang out a decent amount out here. We have a good time throwing a few back, so he will be joining me on the podcast, as will Michael Bolden, another fella who I like to get a little hammered with. And have enjoyed that company in the past. So me, Jason, and Michael will be getting together in one room. We'll have to see what we end up drinking. One room, one bottle of bourbon, just like the Lions of Liberty Whiskey Challenge. (laughs) How ridiculous would that be? If I just brought a handle of whiskey and I was like, guys, we're doing the Whiskey Challenge. Three of us. We're going to try to do it in an hour. End of fucking throwing up on my hands and knees at Pork Fest, which we will be at this year, guys. We'll be there. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Mark will be there Thursday. I'll be there Friday, Saturday, as will most of the boys. But anyway, so make sure you tune in next week for an awesome Libertarians in Living Rooms drinking liquor podcast with me, Stapleton and Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center. And make sure you listen to Mark Clare on Mondays with his in-depth interviews with leaders of the libertarian movement. Of course, he just had Nick Gillespie on this past episode on Monday, which was really interesting. Um, You know, hearing Nick talk about the influence of postmodernism and how it actually has a quite a bit in common with liberty and libertarian movement. I found that very interesting and I did agree with, uh, with some of his, his takes on that. So give that a listen. Always interesting stuff. And of course, on Friday, you can hear John Odermat on Felony Fridays talking to people that have just gone through the ringer in regards to the criminal justice system. As I mentioned earlier, you should listen to his episodes on false confessions, talking with ex- experts who work with that. Former police officers tell just talking about how they put people in jail who were innocent and how they regret their lives. All sorts of things, but fascinating things. All right, that's it. From me, Brian McWilliams, from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged into liberty.